Namaste. 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 And welcome all to our continuing series, Savitri is the Message, with our beloved brother, Alok. Namaste, Alok. You had something you wanted to share with us. Yes. So, as I said, it's uh, beautiful to have, uh, you know, meaningful harmony. I won't use the word coincidence. Uh, between the inner and the outer. So today in terms of time, date is the day when the Siddhi day is just over. And today is one of the little known days in the ashram known as Immortality Day. And I think we should not talk about it for the simple reason that the mother wanted it to remain sacred and secret. So let people dwell upon it. But the interesting part is, that Siddhi day is where Shubhendu stands on the ultimate peak of the overmind, where all that Sri Krishna has gathered into himself is with him now. And we are going to read a passage from a canto, which is right there when before he is entering into the realms of the beyond, on the highest uh, layers of the overmind, where it's jutting onto the supermind. So that's something interesting. And this is where you also find the consciousness of immortality. Because everything which is over mind and below is mortal, which includes, uh, we don't use the word uh, gods are immortal, uh, gods are mortal, but then they have a term. So anything which is within, moves within the realm of time is subject to time. That is the sense of mortality. Anything which is limited in terms of space will be subject to death because there is the limitless all around. So the logic of it is this. So if you want to conquer death, we have to enter into that space or connect ourselves with that space, which is, or rather that realm, which is spaceless, timeless and beyond it, which is infinite. So only when we connect with that, then there is a possibility that there is a constant linking between the infinite and the finite. And so finite can go on endlessly. But it has to keep moving along with the rhythm of the infinite. So that's what is called in um, in Savitri also as the deathless state. So deathless state is where normally what happens, the body is not able to keep with the pace of the divine. So it tends to over a period of time fall back, fall back, fall back. And beyond a point there is a snapping. So the body is undone, redone several times. So in each of these redoing. If the body can continue redoing future words, as the mother uses the word future words, instead of falling backwards, you will end up with physical immortality. That is the secret. So it has to undo and redo itself future words. But in normal course of our life, we keep falling backward with the way consciousness is advancing. This is what happens. Even at the level of the world consciousness, it's advancing. And beyond a point, we begin to fall backward or became, become stuck into rigid comfort zones, dogmas, all these things. So, we lose that. So, this is about the future word movement and um, this is where we are going to read that, that point where the our mind is jutting into the supermind, which is where the finite ends its crawl to infinity. This is the meeting point, which is where we are. He had reached the top of all that can be known. His sight surpassed creation's head and base. A blaze 
The triple heavens reveal their sons. The obscure abyss exposed its monstrous rule. All but the ultimate mystery was his field. Almost the unknowable disclosed its rim. His self's infinities began to emerge. The hidden universes cried to him. Eternities called to eternities, sending their speechless message still remote. This is marvelous. This page starts with, He trod along extinction's narrow edge. Yes. So extinction's narrow edge is where time and space end. Different. There are multiple time space, not just the physical time yes. and space. There is time and space in the vital world. There is time and space in the world of the gods. It is said that one day of God is, I don't know how many million years on earth. So, <laughs> if you go and tell them, we are suffering for so long, you'll say, but it's just only one day. So, even that begins to close. So, it's the realm of the eternal. But in the higher worlds itself, this is what is called in Indian thought as para and apara. So, apara is the lower hemisphere and para is the higher hemisphere. So, apara or the lower hemisphere from matter and below, right up to the overmind, all this is apara. And one of the Upanishads goes on to say, even all the knowledge that we have, including of the three Vedas, which of course is the scholarly knowledge, not the experience, is, comes under the lower hemisphere. It's amazing. And all the scientific knowledge, everything. Why? Because it is missing the touch of that, which alone makes everything meaningful. It's like that little point, which you add to everything and suddenly you are filled with that meaning, that spark. Oh, that's it. That missing piece of the cosmic puzzle. Where is the divine eye of sight that Sri Aurobindo tells so, us? So that's where, at that realm, it is watching over all creation. Yes. Also known as Vishnu in the, in the Vedic lore. And beyond it is infinity, eternity. Now what's there? There are worlds, but these are worlds which are not subject to any dissolution. The world of Krishna, for instance, Golok, supramental worlds, and you know, world there are higher worlds which Shurabindu describes as Satlok. So Satlok is world of pure existence. There is it cannot you know there is no way it can dissolve because it's true existence. Here what we experience is that true existence is in everything, but covered with courts. These courts are bound to dissolve, subject mm -hmm. to dissolution. Then there are worlds of Chidghanlok, pure consciousness. Then there are worlds of Tapolok, pure force. And there are worlds of Anandalok, which are bliss is everything there. So it is the same Anand which puts forth one aspect or the other and creates worlds. And then there is the supramental world where all these higher worlds are coming and entering like in a funnel or a prism. But when they come out of the supramental world, you have the lower three worlds, the mind world, vital world and the… And life and body. Yes. yes, so, but that is a super mind is the meeting point, like a prism. The white ray enters on one side, when it comes out, it is scattered into seven. So, in these worlds, the plan is very different in, the, in these higher worlds. They are worlds which are not subject to dissolution. They will always be, forever be. 
but there are issues there and that's why ultimate experiment of the you know <laughs> material world was created uh, so that's what we are reading ashwapati is walking along extinction's edge if you go on to the other side there is nothing like self identity even the self that we call as the soul tends to as if it is self and the world begins to dissolve there there is a experience of uh, swami vivekananda and that will show us that how Uh, difficult and challenging tasks your bindu has taken so the experience is that when he came to shri ramakrishna and said is it really true that there is something like that higher world seems so real to us so he did nothing but he touched him and swami vivekananda saw the whole world float and vanish so he was completely lost and then when he comes back he says see you have seen it but now you will not enter into it i am i have locked the doors of this world for you this dissolution for you and i have given the key to the divine mother till you have finished your work she will not open the door oh my god so you live here because it's so on the other hand when the same experience shri ramakrishna gave to his uh, nephew hriday he went mad there was no way he could connect you totally and it's so powerful that it's disorienting now what lies in that mystery where there is no form no name no support no base normally it has been used as a ultimate mystery in which we dissolve it was given to shurbindo to enter there consciously mm. <laughs> know what lies there not only know what lies there to bring it down and join it with the rest of the creation here and that's why in in uh, evening talks when he is asked what is the condition for the supramental world to come down he says one of them is that you must have access to the plane of the gods which is the overmind why it is important because it will come through them now if any of them distorts is not ready doesn't consent then the whole thing cannot take place so initially you see mother brings down the world of the gods overmind creation then even shurbindo's letters when he is asked uh, you are busy with the supermind transforming matter he says no i am supramentalizing the overmind that's his you know what it must be thoroughly supramentalized once that happens then the passage rest of the passage is created it's unimaginable what he has even attempted frankly speaking that infinity means all your measures will fall away at one place the mother says says that human beings have created confusion in the world of animals the superman <laughs> will create confusion he has written it's a note because you don't have any more yeah. those measures which govern a mental life mentalized life it's not a mentalized life it is driven by the breath of god literally that's how shubhendra puts it who am i i am not a bhakta i am not a gyani who am i i am a breath i am a leaf driven by the breath of the god now when breath of the god drives it doesn't drive according to our mental plannings notions thus it should be thus it should not be so it's to make the human scale adjust to that note it's almost unimaginable and that's what he is trying to do that's why the long process yes. it's not like okay supermind is manifested now we should see supramental beings <laughs> should even the mind to break free from the limits of the mind and open it to infinity is a task enough heart cabined in small little walls life energy with small aims and then the body so here we have this 
near the high verges of eternity and mounted the gold ridge of the world dream so this entire world from there appears like a dream the real is there <laughs> you discover oh that is real and the gold ridge that's where we enter into the supramental between the slayer and the savior fires so that's where if you enter you are dissolved for good and yet that is the fire when it enters into the world creates so between the slayer and the savior fires the belt he reached of the unchanging truth met borders of the inexpressible light and thrilled with the presence of the ineffable above him he saw the flaming hierarchies often people ask what is the name of their gods incidentally they don't have a name we can put any name to them why because they are beyond the realm of name and form they are flaming hierarchies that's there's the simplest you can say the moment we try to compare with any of the gods here we are actually committing an error because they are beyond names they are beyond form they can the moment they have to take a form and name they will appear on the our mind and appear like that but they are infinities eternities absolute power this is a description of these uh, realms in secret knowledge where shivendra uses the word absolute potencies of god mm-hmm. and he says how they act they have no truck with our virtue or our sin with our sorrow our grief nothing they act only under the impulsion of the highest truth they don't know he is a virtuous man let us you know help him out <laughs> he is a sinner let yes. us punish nothing of that kind he even says by their indifference Indi- they help yes, us yes yes they help the world by their world indifference oh. that they are present is enough to yes. so that is the realm he is standing upon this sunite guardians and the golden sphinx so sunite guardians are all these four great powers which are standing on the gates and the golden sphinx who opens the doors to eternity sphinx is the mystery sphinx always is a mystery so there are two sphinx one is the dark sphinx which symbolizes death the mysterious death whom we don't know and there is a golden sphinx that is a shadow of that there also there is death of all that we can conceive think imagine so that we can be new created so you have the sphinx guarding the gates of eternity and the tired plains and the immutable lords a wisdom waiting on omniscience sat voiceless in a vast passivity so it is very interesting it's voiceless we'll just come to that it just not measured not not strove to know okay let me see what is this man show me his account how many papas how many punyas it just not measured not it knows but listen for the veiled all seeing thought and the burden of a calm transcendent voice so this is where even to use the word sound word speech becomes almost meaningless because speech means a star so this is a realm where there is it is going beyond the first star of creation he had reached the top of all that can be known all that can be known within this lower triple world he had reached its apex that is the realm of the unknowable so shubindu was asked this question then how does it one know it i mean is it forever unknowable so he says the unknowable is unknowable to the mind but you can know it by identity otherwise how would he write and express you cannot know it by any mental process the mind can take us high and we should use it to climb but there comes a point where we have to say okay good vehicle can't go there 
I often give this example of temples in India. Some of those on the mountain tops, very interesting. They must be everywhere. So you go in a vehicle up to a point. Beyond that point, the vehicle will not go. So you have to travel on foot or somebody will help you on mules or something. This is very symbolic that you go on mule. Mule literally means your mind, <laughs> you don't know whether you are becoming intelligently stupid or stupidly intelligent. That's how she put it, <laughs> Alexandra David Neal. Then comes a point when you have to just enter there and leave behind everything. So this is something so beautiful that all else, so when we go there, then by that identity we can, you know, understand. And the burden of a, no, a blaze the triple heavens reveal their suns. What are these triple heavens? We don't see the suns, we only feel the rays. So Shobindu says about this in the Vedas, that in the Vedas uh, they spoke about these high heavens. So normally the what they call as heavens, Swarlok, Om Bhur Bhur. So, so the Swarlok is the heavens which is formed by the rays. Here we had that in heavens of the ideal. Mm. That's the rays. And then he says, but rays is not yet the sun. So beyond the Swarlok, there is Maharlok, which is the sun, the original. That is where one must go. So there one begins to see the sun, the governing powers, the ultimate truth behind all these triple mystic heavens. Now triple mystic heavens is a cryptic line. It could mean the heavens above, the Satlok, Tapolok, Anandlok or Chidganlok and Anandlok. It could mean that. It could mean the lower triple heaven of the three. In Indian pantheon, we have Kailash, Vaikunt and you know, Brahmalok, which are the three realms of the three aspects of the divine. But here it is the triple mystic heavens, which are hidden. Nobody knows. And he begins to see their sun. So that three higher realms. The obscure abyss exposed its monstrous role because he is standing on that highest limit. So then from there he sees the abyss below and everything that is there within it is exposed. Nothing can remain hidden to that sight. Nothing is hid from his blazing sight. That's how he describes But it's obscure to us. Yes, it's obscure to us. Monstrous rule, all but the ultimate mystery was his field. Ultimate mystery, you have to enter into the supramental door. So always, that's why you will see that before Shirobindo, and I say this with uh, certitude, not just certitude, having read through a vast body of spiritual literature. The fact is that that ultimate mystery for the first time has been really explained in words which we can understand by Shirobindo. There is a point where it is said, this is Maya, a dream. And that is that. Or it is said this is a Leela. Why it is so, we don't know. So there are explanations. Nature, Punar, you know, your rebirth. It, it, it is a way of explaining away. It, it's like saying it's a dream. It's a way of cutting the knot of the cosmic puzzle. So when or you say... An you're, illusion. You're, ah, illusion. You, have, you can't question it now. So only thing is come out of the illusion. But there is a mystery which we don't understand where this illusion came from, why it is there, why we are trapped, who put us here <laughs> in this whole illusion and for what purpose? If the end was to be moksha beyond, then why, who trapped us in it? So here you get that sense of the ultimate mystery. Only in the super mind you have the perfect reconciliation. So, ultimate mystery. So he has not yet entered. That will 
come in the next book, book three. Here he is standing at the rim, rim of the overmind. Eternity, achha, this is interesting. Almost the unknowable disclosed its rim. Uh, it's very interesting, Shurbindos sometimes uses a word which, uh, you know, is so expressive. Here the word is almost. Almost, yes. <laughs> almost. It's like, you can f- sense it, but something is still there which you cannot, almost. Almost it disclosed. It's on the verge of disclosing. Almost the, they saw who lived uh, within her life. Yes, almost they saw. As if, as yeah. if he goes through as if so many times. Yeah. Not telling us exactly, but it's as if something like this. Because it's indescribable. So I often say only Shurabindu could describe the indescribable. Yeah. <laughs> the ineffable, otherwise there is no way. Then the next line is also very beautiful. His self's infinities began to emerge. So what are each of us actually has a finite truth and there is within us an infinite truth which belongs to the central being, the Jivatma before it has entered into the play of time and space. And that is always connected with the infinite. When we touch that point, then suddenly it begins to emerge within us. That's the original plan of God that we are meant to be. His self's infinities, infinity of wisdom, infinity of love, infinity of strength, no limit to that. All that begins to emerge when we reach that point. So it's very interesting, the self's infinities began to emerge. The hidden universes cried to him. All the worlds which are beyond in the, you know, what we no- normally call as the unmanifest, the eternal worlds, they cried to him. And we see this in Savitri, when Savitri is offered to enter into these eternal yes, worlds yes. with Satyavasis. You can dwell there forever and ever. There is no forever because it's eternal. So she says, no, I, I climb not to thy everlasting day, even yeah. as I shun thy eternal night. Yes. So his self's infinities, the hidden universes, cried to him, eternity is called to eternities. What a marvelous expression. Each being there, each power that the divine puts forth is eternal. And that's what I have several times said that below the overmind you have this conception in Indian pantheon of the three uh, Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh. They are the three great gods. But they are also subject to the ultimate dissolution. Pralaya and Mahapralaya. So you will see that when, when an age ends. So Shiva says that, okay, time has come. Time over. <laughs> so he calls the shot. So then suddenly you see Brahma vanishing along with his power. Then next is Vishnu Bhagwan Because, you know, if you don't have creation, what are you going to balance? So he also withdraws. Then Parvati withdraws and then Shiva withdraws. So that's how it is described. But where do they withdraw? They withdraw into their own eternity. Param Shiva, Mahashiva, Mahavishnu. That's where they withdraw. And then they have to come forth. So they withdraw carrying all the gains of the creation. Same thing with Sri Krishna. So because our mind works with either or, Siddhi De. So people say if he is over mind, how is Anandamaya? He is both. <laughs> Anandamaya is his... <laughs> He is his eternity and infinity. But when he acts as an avatar, he came on our mind. But he is Anandaghan. <laughs> if you call him as a mystic, it's only for the action that he took the station at our mind, simply because the world was ready for that much. But if you seek Krishna, you will end up with, you know, regardless of this, you will end up into that Anandaman because that's where he belongs to, comes from.
his self's infinities began to emerge oh eternity is called to eternities sending their speechless message still remote every word is so beautiful speechless message so one is figuratively one can understand you know there are ways you can give message without speech but speech is neither necessary nor is it even possible in that sense that speech is characteristic of sound and it's without sound without yes. sound speech yes. is panch tatvas which have yes. come into the speech is vibration and the stir of vibration mm. this is beyond so speechless so how do they know each other they know each other by sheer identity like as he describes else, elsewhere that when two people married couple who lived together for you know whatever <laughs> yes, as, <laughs> as, as those who have lived long ah, in love. Yes, in love, they know each other. That you yes. know, he is saying, um, you know, whatever tea. So the person knows that what he really means is that you know, I want to be a couch potato and I want a cup of tea without expressing, because that is the kind of relation. So that is how by identity they know each other. They don't have to converse. That lets you know, like this show in the serials, Shiva going and asking. Brahma ji, I am going to do this leela. <laughs> they don't have to do that. Beyond these three lokas, there is the conception of three murti, three dev. They are one. Yes. So they are one, and if you go still beyond, then each enters into their own infinity. So there is no need of speech. So it's a speechless message, simply by identity. It can take the form of speech. So there is an interesting aside to it, practical. <laughs> so practical aside is the more you ascend in consciousness the less outspoken you become in terms of what is ordinarily human speech yes you can speak only under inspiration and then there is no limit to what you can speak <laughs> but the normal speech in which people engage in what is called as the lowest is gossip and then slowly discussing things which are meaningless and then there comes a time when you can only speak under an inspiration whatever be the trigger point that's what shri ramakrishna yeah. shirbindu said and all that because then speech is no more required yeah. you can use speech to communicate to the world but you don't really need it's something yeah. which is inbuilt there is such an identification so this is the message which is shall i continue with yes. this yeah yeah why okay, not it's so beautiful sure Arisen from the marvel of the depths, and burning from the superconscious heights, and sweeping in great horizontal gyres, a million energies joined and were the one. So this is the sahasrar, which is called in. Uh, so normally we think sahasrar is the end. Sahasrar is the starting point of the. It's a reflected world. Sahasrar, where the thousand lotuses bloom. all the million energies returning into the sun that's where human consciousness can ascend beyond it it can enter into the unknowable but here that is the starting point as i said it's like a funnel so it's entering into much higher things all flowed immeasurably to hmm. one sea all living forms became its atom homes so there if somebody asks what is the path you are following so one will say no path and every path because that's what that's why the gita gives such a high truth by whatever way 
and faith men follow me they come to me even when they oppose him they will come to him that is the interesting part yes <laughs> you know when mahabharata is over that's how they say in the bhagavat and shri krishna is asked by the, uh, you know his comrades say it's okay you revealed yourself to gop and gopis why did you uh, reveal yourself to kansa Sishupal, they were your enemies. He said, "Yes, but what to do? They were remembering me all the time out mm. of enmity. <laughs> <sighs> they were remembering. Yes. So I had to reveal myself. But the import is very interesting. That everything is leading to the divine. This is the highest truth. The highest Vedantic truth is that this idea of this path then becomes sect, then it becomes cult. But the ultimate truth is that through every path." depending on your faith you are being driven up along the roads of infinity there is a path but there is equal truth is there is no path and i have found this analogy just with you know my air force this thing it used to amaze me when i would see airplanes flying so my thinkers why don't they collide with each other what keeps them so i used to think initially before i joined the air force that you know Uh, they have to manage it like you know on the road the drivers have to manage it if they see a plane coming they have to take care and all but then when i joined i came to know everything is given route so they feed the route and they have to stick to the route so even when they are flying at high speeds unless they commit a blunder or they have to deviate from the route they won't collide but if you ask which path they went with this aircraft's path the same aircraft while returning may take a different path different corridors and each of these corridors are well segregated now imagine in airports where thousands of flights are going i think in atlanta where every minute a mm-hmm. plane takes off how do they manage it so it is same thing from that point where million roads through which people are coming but the one who is climbing says this is my path but for the divine he is on every path every path he is carrying each one so and that he is, is every path he is every path because he is the path see that is the beauty yes. <laughs> he is the path and that's why shivinda says he has made it so simple because people often ask which path karma yoga bhakti yoga this is open to the mother mother is everywhere in everything every path even in the atom she is listens to the dumb cry of the atom all nature yes. dumbly calls to her alone, alone yes. to heal with her feet the aching throb, throb of life. life in every atom of existence life can be so simple and beautiful just to live by this truth that the path is everywhere because the divine is everywhere it also reminds me somebody who came and stayed in golkund he wrote to the mother i want to one part of me want to be in the world and practice the yoga another part wants to be here and practice the yoga so what is what would you say the mother said the world is everywhere the divine is everywhere <laughs> the yoga is everywhere <laughs> you can be here and not practice yoga you can be far away you can practice yoga divine is everywhere world is everywhere and the path is everywhere so beautiful it is so liberating yes. Yes. yet due to choice of destiny one may be at different places that's a different thing altogether but it cannot be turned into an absolute rule that's where we make a mistake remember what mother wrote to dimitri hmm. the light is everywhere 
the force is everywhere and the world is so small. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> this is the eternal truth. Then yes, wherever one for this an occult arrangement that somebody may be at one place, somebody another, in space and time there will be an arrangement. But sometimes we mistake it that just because we are here, there is something very special. <laughs> we are more evolved beings and therefore we are called here. We do, None of these standards, yardsticks apply to the ways of the divine. Yes. Uh, in another story, I am reminded with this, <laughs> if I may. You know, there is a poem of Sri called Mahatmas. <clears throat> So, where this man wants to have uh, the yoga and all that it contains. So, he practices Hatha Yoga and has, you know, he says that Hatha Yoga of the old Lemurian kings, what Dhruva, Dhruv and Hiranyakashup, they have practiced. And he then, you know, he goes to find a guru. So, he meets uh, Dwapa and Vyas. And he says that, you know, I have come, I have done this and I want to have the further yoga. He says, uh, no, you go back. You are not pure enough. So he goes and does Raj Yoga. So he says, Raj Yoga of the old Atlantic king. So he practices and gets all the power, siddhis and everything. Now he comes. He says, now, he says, uh, go and find Krishna. Now comes the challenge. So he goes to Yudhishthira's palace, Hastinapur. He must be there. He doesn't find him. He says, oh, he must be in Vrindavan, Mathura. Nowhere he finds him. He says, Dwarka, no, where is he? <laughs> so he is very distraught and in that state he wanders onto some slopes of a mountain where he sees a man who is apparently mad and full of ecstasy. But he is not saying the cause of his ecstasy. There he sees someone. And as this uh, Mahatma, would-be Mahatma comes near him, this yogi, this man laughs and kicks him. And he says, all the power went away from me. He became like a child, helpless. And then he says, he saw in him Krishna. Before that, ah. he saw in him Krishna. And he just, everything goes away when he sees Krishna. And then he tells him, he again dances, comes near him and says, Take back all these gifts, you beggar. <laughs> so, he says, he could give it just like this. I have done all this tapasya. He says, okay, now you go. Go and do the work of being a, you know, guardian of, you know, an aeon. Because that is the work I am giving you. So that is the kind of, you know, we confine God into various uh, limited ways, approaches, sects and then religions. And we fight with each other, end up in chaos. God must be putting his head. <laughs> That's why all religions have a term. That's why we must understand religions have a term. Spirituality is beyond term till it continues to progress. If it stops progressing, it also becomes a term when it is in cults and sects. Because that is not the eternal truth of the divine. Eternal truth of the divine is infinity and eternity. Whoever touches it knows that you can't reduce him to a form. Yes. And that is what we discover here. You can continue to read. So a energy. Mm. that harmonized all life, held now existence in its vast control. A portion of that majesty, he was made. So this Panerji, we talk about, you know, some people have this problem that in Indian thought, Sanatana Dharma, there are so many gods. Actually, it is a less count. They give the count, latest census was 33 millions or crores, I don't know. Actually, it is less. 
as many creatures, human beings at least you can say, as many gods. Because man is potentially a god. What are gods? Gods are those who are laboring in creation. Each aspect, each work is a power. Gods are powers and aspects of the one. So because they are power and aspects of the one, you can catch anyone and reach to a point where he can take you. That was the original meaning of, uh, you know, multiple gods and the one god. This was the original sense. You could take up anyone, but they are connected. It's like you are going to an office where the, you know, president's office. So who all could take you to the president's office? Of course, the man who is his right hand man. Maybe even the butler can take you. You will say, I'm sahab se mila denge. Maybe the man on the gate, he knows what are the timings when president comes and moves in the garden. He'll say, sir, this is the time when he meets people. So many people can take you. So that way, the, many of these gods, they will take us to a point. Beyond a point, they have to transfer because they go into their higher and higher. If you want only some limited gains, then they will say, okay, you stay, stop here. You don't want the divine. So this is where this panergy all the and why he has used the word panergy is something very interesting because normally we talk about gods masculine gender panergy is shaktis energy yes million shaktis goddesses to whom you are you are carried up so panergy that harmonized all life there you find the secret key of harmony of all these different panergies held now existence in its vast control, a portion of that majesty he was made. So what happens to Ashpati? He becomes a god among the gods. He has reached that point where now he can participate in the cosmic yagna. That comes later. He served the sessions of the triple fire. Yes. When you reach that point, then you are one of those who are participating in the Vishwa yagna. That comes later because you have risen to that point through the tapasya or grace. At will, he lived in the unoblivious ray. Whenever he wanted, he could dwell in that tree. So this is the realm where one begins. In that high realm where no untruth can come, where all are different and all is one, <laughs> in the impersonal's ocean without shore, the person in the world spirit anchored road. It thrilled with the mighty marchings of world force. Its acts were the comrades of God's infinite peace. So describing the state of somebody who has arrived at that realm, that how the limited human personality becomes a world personality. This is a term used by the mother. The world personality has nothing to do with popularity across the world. But this personality has an impact upon the world. It's, a, it's driven by the divine. So this what and beautiful he is at once impersonal and suprapersonal. Deep within there is that utter impersonality into which one could any time dissolve if one wished to. So normally we say God is impersonal or we say personal. This is the point where the impersonal and the personal become one. See, Ramakrishna explained like this, that if you put from this side the stick, you find the idol. If you put it from that side, it's <coughs> nothing is there. So, impersonal and personal, both are fused. And this all another, are different and all, all are one. So, you understand the hmm. meaning of or the secret sense of the multiplicity. It's meant to be like that. 
There, one will not say everybody should think like me, speak like me, eat like me, dress like me, <laughs> follow the same path that I am following. <laughs> Because you understand that all are different, these differences are different expressions of the one. At the same time, you discover the secret oneness behind. The whole world march is crystal clear and therefore the secret of action. Because when you act, normally we act by personal standards. But there it's a God-driven action. You know what you have to do. There is no enmity. That's why it's in that state of peace. He says beautifully, we'll read this. It's acts where the comrades of God's infinite peace. So it's not that you are troubled or distressed because you are... Participating in a certain action which is part of a cosmic action required at a point of time. Uh, otherwise, it's a very personal action. I want to look after my you know selfish action, but it's no more a selfish action. It's a God-driven action. And this action, there is even if one way to participate in something like the act of killing, as Arjuna was called upon, it still is in that state of inner peace. It's not in a state of disturbance, anger. Equanimity, it it has that. It's not in a state of hatred. That's why many people find it very difficult to understand the Gita and turn it into a otherworldly scripture. That Gita is, you know, what is it preaching? So outwardly, Arjuna is engaging in the battlefield, but in the Gita, it is also said, Arjuna, practice ahimsa. <laughs> So you know, people get killed. Okay, Gita may be to practice in your inner life, but to Arjuna he gave the command. No, practice ahimsa means inside within us there should be no slightest motive or intent of injuring anyone, and yet we must do what we must do. So ahimsa is not an outward act. One may refrain from an outward act and be boiling inside. That is the Gandhian idea of ahimsa, which is obviously a mm. um, a facade. But the true ahimsa is inwardly you are immobile, and yet you are fighting a battle. If need be, there is no hatred, there is no sense of shrinking, no sense of remorse, sorrow, suffering, and all that comes. You have to do it because this is the work that God has given to us. A few more lines. Yes, and then you can stop. An adjunct glory and a symbol self. The body was delivered to the soul. It was completely an instrument of the soul. Completely the body became an instrument of the soul. So body was delivered to the soul. An immortal point of power, a block of poise, in a cosmicity's wide formless surge, a conscious edge of the transcendence might, Carving perfection from a bright world stuff, it figured in it a universe's sense. There, consciousness was a close and single weft. The far and near were one in spirit space. The moments there were pregnant with all time. And that's why once you are there, The mystics, as they say, no, the great masters who rise very high. Wherever and whenever you call me, I am there. It's not a, you know, just a kind of a way of saying. It's real, because there it's the spirit space. <laughs> you are one. So wherever and whenever, 
she is there. So that's why in that spirit space, yes. consciousness, one single weft, it's not like my consciousness, your consciousness, the animal's consciousness. So through consciousness, one can immediately travel wherever one wants to go. Time travel at its highest. <laughs> Timeless travel. We can uh, just, maybe next page, probably we can just end this canto since we are... Shall we? Yeah. Maybe His go brain was wrapped yeah. in... His brain was wrapped in overwhelming or, light. Or one line before, because oh, okay, that's, yeah. it starts, right. the primal energy. Yes. The primal energy took him in its arms. The Divine Mother, primal energy. Yes. <laughs> His brain was wrapped in overwhelming light. And all-embracing knowledge seized his heart. So it's no more a knowledge which is, oh, this is uh, knowledge of the Shastras and which is regarded as God knowledge. This is worldly knowledge. Here you have to consult worldly people. (laughs) It's an all-embracing knowledge applying in every sphere of life. That's what begins to reveal itself. And look the power wrapped in overwhelming light. Yes. It's overwhelming. Yes. It could lead to a breakdown if the mind is not vast and supple and strong. Thoughts rose in him no earthly mind can hold. Mights played that never coursed through mortal nerves. Mark the word never. Yes. This is the first time he, yes. this kind of experience should be though. As a representative of humanity is experiencing. Mortal nerves bearing that. It's never happened. He scanned the secrets of the overmind. So this is again the word scan. He is standing above it. Yes. So now he knows all the secrets. He bore the rapture of the oversoul. A borderer of the empire of the sun. Attuned to the supernal harmonies. He linked creation to the eternal sphere. So here we can see where he is standing. It describes yes, toward sir. the end. Yes. Borderer of the empire of the sun. And on the other side, scanned the secrets of the yes. overmind. His finite parts approached their absolutes. His actions framed the movements of the gods. His will took up the reins of cosmic force. End of Canto 15 and the end of Book 2. And yet, the ultimate mystery in which he enters in the next Canto, next book. Yes. Which is the book of the Divine Mother. Ultimate mystery. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.